0: This is Soundtrack Your Life. I'm Ryan Pack. And I'm Nicole Barlow. This is the podcast where we talk to a guest about soundtracks that they feel connected to. Today we are talking to composer Robert Hanstein. Welcome, Robert.
1: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here.
0: So today we are going to talk about the 2021 Peter Middleton and James Spinney directed documentary The Real Charlie Chaplin. So Robert, you scored this film and it was nominated for an Emmy and you, and the soundtrack was just released this past December. That's correct. Yes, that's right. Yeah.
1: It was a really it was a really amazing process to be a part of and I I it was actually the first movie I had ever scored. So um I yeah, I felt really lucky to be a part of it. And I learned a lot and had a great time doing it.
2: Yeah. I just want to say it's incredible that this is your first film score. You were a really accomplished composer, obviously. So maybe this didn't feel intimidating for you, but did it, did it, was it a challenge walking into something that felt a little bit brand new for you?
1: It was terrifying. Are you kidding me? Oh my (laughs) God. I actually feel like in a weird way, the pandemic, the timing of that helped me. So I initially got brought on board to the project in a, around January, 2020. And we had these conversations and they were talking about their timelines. And the timeline at that point was basically like, all right, this film is going to go to festivals in summer 2020. And so we need the score to be done by it's like March or April or something. And I was like, yeah, cool, cool. And, but in the back of background, I was like, all right, this is crazy. I was like, this is crazy. Like, I can't do this. But I wanted to do it. So I did it. So I said, yes. But then, I mean, then, you know, March, happens and like everything grinds to a halt and in a weird way that gave me the breathing room i think to to kind of figure things out with a little more time so i don't know what it would have been like if that never happened but uh it's sort of interesting timing how that worked But yeah i was definitely there was a big learning curve for sure
0: and then since you did a lot of the work in that kind of weird early pandemic time were you trying to think of like creative ways to kind of get around like you know Recording, but being you know safe with yeah. social distancing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm sure as everyone can remember, that was such a strange time for so many reasons. But in the context of this project, and it was strange also because it, it kept changing what what was possible, right? Like mm-hmm. you know, w- we didn't as a the world didn't understand what this what it really was and how the protocols needed to be for like being safe and whatnot and then as we got more understanding those protocols evolved so it was hard to even think about that initially just because nobody understood what was going on and it actually it was interesting it affected the film in ways that were surprising i mean i was thinking about yeah the recording and musicians and whatnot but you know the directors were like we had to stop for a while because a lot of the archival materials that because it's a documentary about Chaplin that used a lot of archival materials, all of those archives, they closed too. So they had, so they, they had a cut of the film that was pretty close to finish, but it had a lot of placeholders for like archival film or that they were going to eventually get and drop in. So Mm -hmm. they just, they were just waiting for things like that, you know, and like other aspects of the production that I had never thought about, like so many aspects were just like, we don't know what's going on, <laughs> sort of like, <laughs> pause. You know, so everything was just pause. But 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 we were able to work, like me and, and the directors, but just in the phase of like demos, you know, which obviously we didn't need people necessarily. I was making some things, you know, just myself. And um, But then, yeah, at a certain point, when it came time to record the score, uh, definitely had to think about what was possible. At the time that we recorded it, which was, I think we recorded it in about, uh, March or April, 2021, it was at a point where we could be in a room together, but, um, we had to isolate. So like we couldn't, for example, do winds in in the same room as other people, like the winds had to be in isolation and we, we sort of, so we just recorded in a fashion where no one was ever there at the same time. We basically just layered it and isolated things. And and that's just kind of how we had to do it, which, you know, actually was a good way to do, I mean, maybe we would have done it that way anyway, honestly, mm-hmm. like there's, there's a certain advantage to recording that way. Cause you have a lot of control when you isolate the the different layers and you can, so it, you know, it definitely affected a little bit, but I, I don't think, um, it ended up not being too much of a negative. We were able to work around it just wore masks all the time, had to go outside, take breaks and, you know, just...
2: Yeah, we've, we've talked to other creative folks that have yeah. had projects during the pandemic and that right. I, I, sometimes I kind of feel like we're a little bit of a time capsule for discussing how those things yeah. got made under yeah. some very weird conditions. Yeah. Yeah. I think all of us have kind of blocked out that period of time, but, yeah. um, I, you know, I was on productions during that sort of funky period too and it, it, it changes a lot of how you work and, and forces you to rethink things and be really... Yeah nimble yeah. when they started giving you or the getting more of that archival footage and things about that cut started changing did any of your direction have to change in response to that
1: that was so that was another thing so um like i said initially the extra time helped me but then it actually hurt me or it wasn't hurt me. it's just sort of part of it but just like there was so much extra time that it kind of allowed them to keep changing the the cut and so yeah they, they did get that archival footage but also more than that they just had so much more time that they could kept Kind of kept rethinking things and uh it just made for a much longer cycle of revisions and getting approvals and then then sometimes it would be like about the music but a lot of time it was like you know we decided to take this film this scene out of the film or we decided to change the edit in this way mm-hmm. because we had this idea and i think um i i think ultimately it was all for the best but it definitely i felt that because there was so much more time it just allowed them to like think about it and change their minds and try different things so like i definitely that affected me for sure yeah absolutely
0: yeah and then um timing wise like you know when you're composing for film or for screen you know you're trying to fit your piece into the scene Mm -hmm. um i assume a lot of your compositions um outside of film like you know you just you, you, you compose it until you feel like it's finished. Yeah. Right. So yeah, how was that right. difference? Yeah.
1: So so many, so many differences. I mean, you mentioned at, at earlier that I, I, I have a, you know, most of my background is as a concert composer. That's primarily what I do. And so, you know, obviously I feel comfortable writing music, coming up with ideas and creating pieces and developing and all that. That's fine. But in the film world, yeah, there's so many more sort of restraints and conditions that I have to consider. There's the time that you just mentioned, Ryan, there's also just thinking about attention, you know, like if I'm writing a concert piece, I'm sort of like the whole story. Like people are listening to the music and I and I can add so much more detail that if I put that much detail, that many like sort of layers into the the score, it becomes distracting, you know, because there's obviously there's voice and there's images and whatnot. So that was those are the two things that I felt like I I had to learn the most as far as adjusting my my writing was um yeah that time thing you know the structure is is very different and then the the sense of like getting the focus right you know like what's what's a what's the, the good balance of like musical detail musical information but still like not pulling the 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 viewer out of the visual storytelling which is the primary thing because it's a film you know so that was a learning curve for sure yeah
0: yeah i think i thought you did a great job um i remember Uh, when i started the documentary I, i was like it's noticeable but it's not distracting that's great and
1: i mean i i i will give a lot of credit also to the directors i mean they were so patient working with me and um this is part of why i feel lucky because i think i i had directors that well first of all they wanted to work with me they were interested in my music that's why they chose to work with me but also they were very eager and willing to have a kind of dialogue about this where it would. And so a lot of our conversations would actually ultimately center, you know, once we got the basics, like the tone and the basic sort of map of of the different beats in the scene, like these sort of basic things, the conversations oftentimes would center around, you know, certain moments where it'd be like, maybe this might be pulling too much focus. Maybe we dial this back or like this little change or this little detail um is drawing attention in a way that we find distracting and so then i'm rethinking that so i think there was a lot of work and a lot of back and forth to exactly that point ryan which was you know creating that balance between the music that we thought was interesting and telling the story in various ways but but also wasn't getting in the way you know,
2: yeah. yeah. I had yeah. to double, triple check myself. And then with Ryan, are we sure this is his first score? <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, because it's really effective and beautiful and, and I think delicate and not distracting, you know, as Ryan said, um, which is, which is really nice. And I'm sure incredibly difficult to pull off. I think mm-hmm. one of the things that we were also kind of wondering is, um, you know, how do you approach a subject matter like this and, and how mm-hmm. did the filmmakers kind of help you? Cause Chaplin himself is this kind of like, Enigmatic figure, and that's kind of the discovery or the journey of discovery of this documentary, in essence. And was that part of the initial discussion? Is you know, how do you sort of capture some of that mystery? How do you demystify? What instruments, you know, can do that the best? Well, what were yeah. those discussions like initially? How you set oh, it up? That
1: was so fast. I loved that part of part of it. I felt it was so cool to, to have a conversation like that with the directors. And we definitely talked about stuff like that. I mean, so they, you know, they brought me in. I think it's pretty typical for composers. You brought in pretty late in the process. They had been working on this film for a number of years. They had a not the final cut, but a, but a pretty far along edit, you know? So they had real clear ideas about what the themes were in this movie, what the, 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 the way the themes were going to weave together, you know, they they had a very clear vision for the storytelling and the motives and the themes. And so we talked about that and we talked about you know, musical ways to express that. Um, and I think that was the initial conversation centered around that. And we, I guess we ultimately focused on this sort of chamber music, approach, because, well, I'm sure there are a lot of reasons, but I do think yeah, with Chaplin, he, he has this very interesting sort of public-private um, access. You know, he's this famous, most famous person in the world, but nobody really knows who he is kind of thing. And I think a lot of the film, I mean, the, the title sort of poses that question. You know, it's, you can't answer, it's a question you can't answer, obviously, but it's an, it's an interesting question to, to investigate. And I think a lot of the film is trying to peel back that onion and get a look at a different side of him, him as a family person, him, in the, you know, in his various private life, him and his insecurities, you know, with his, where he came from and how that translated to insecurities later in his life so so the the idea so with the with the chamber sound i think that i felt like could create that sense of intimacy that sense of like we are getting a look into something private something a little more personal and it also contrasts really nicely because you know there's a lot of 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 other music you know like music from the time music from the films that that happens you know like and that music is what you'd expect it's like this Mm -hmm. kind of much bigger dramatic like orchestra it's like yeah and so that's very public facing it's very dramatic it's very much a sh- part of the show right mm-hmm. whereas i think my music is expressing this other side which is a, m- a lot more personal intimate sort of angle i guess to the story and so i think going with a small chamber ensemble like we did i think helped help that um so that was part of part of i think the reasoning behind it
2: yeah yeah. So a really nice, like smart counterweight. Cause I think I went into this expecting like, Oh, well, it's chaplain. It's going to be kind of like bombastic right. in some way, right, but it right. isn't at all. Yeah.
1: So, Yeah. And, and I, I definitely like um initially when I was just starting, you know, I, I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to a lot of chaplain music and cause you know, th- I wasn't sure how this w- was going to go, you know, as far as what kind of, what kind of things they are interested. in, I was like, are they going to, are they just going to want me to sort of write like chaplain sounding music? Like, <laughs> And I wasn't super psyched about that idea, but i I listened to a lot of it and got a sense of it but no, I think that's that that my music is a counterpoint, and that's part of the the storytelling you know it's like I always sort of, my stuff it's interesting if you look at the arc of the film um more I have a bigger percentage of music in the back half, and I think that's because the first half there's an exposition sort of that's sort of telling the rise, so to speak, you know the exciting story that we all know but then that kind of starts to turn as we start to as, he, as we start to get to more insights into his his personal life and other aspects and as that turn happens i think more of my music is is coming into it so it, it's nice to have that counterpoint because in in the sound itself right because having that counterpoint in the sound itself i think tells helps articulate that structure that that sort of shift that happens in the documentary so yeah i mean i think i think that was. I think I like that choice. That was was a good idea. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So I know that you listened to a lot of like Chaplin music while you were getting ready for uh, this project. Um, How big of a Charlie Chaplin fan were you before you were brought in?
1: Yeah, I mean, no more than I think anyone else, which is to say I I was like aware of him. I thought, yeah, Charlie Chaplin's great. And I think I'd seen a couple things and, you know, it's funny. But man, getting into this like totally like I, I watched a lot of the films. Um, I read his autobiography. I read other books about it. I I just, I got way more immersed into it. And now I'm, I appreciate what he did a lot more. I mean, you know, he's a complicated figure, not a perfect person by any measure, by any measure. Um, but I think as an artist, obviously a pretty incredible artist. Um, and so now I would say I'm a fan. <laughs> I would say I'm, I'm a fan um, at this point. Yeah. And, and it actually was interesting. My kids got, that was one thing that was very interesting because um, I had two children. Well, now they're eight and six, but at the time they were younger. And occasionally I'd be working in my studio and um, there would be, you know, I'd have the the film, the documentary open and I was working and, but there are parts of the documentary where it's just clips from, from Chaplin's film. So, so they would occasionally come in and see some clip of, of Chaplin and they just instantly thought it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. like, which is amazing to me. It's like, wow, you know, this is stuff is like a movie over like a hundred years old. And here's like a, a four-year-old that walks in the room and is just cracking up. Like <laughs> the connection was instantaneous. I was like, this is so cool. You know?
2: I love that story because like, it's so physical and accessible, yeah. a lot of his yeah. comedy. So I feel like that that's going to translate time. And it's probably just oh, yeah. why he was such an, and it yeah. is such an enduring icon and figure yeah. Um, I think we take him for granted a little bit, you know, it's because it's, well, you know, he's just always sort of been this larger than life figure Yeah. uh, Yeah. So you almost don't even stop to figure out, you know, who he was and the context of the time. So it's nice to have this film to
1: kind of um, unpack that for people. It's cool. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm biased, but I'm a fan of the film. And I think it does a really good job of doing exactly that, which is, you know, providing a kind of contemporary lens to be, bring us into that world, make us aware of of his of his work and his persona and different aspects you know so I sort of think it's just a really good job you know some people um you know if if you're like a chaplain scholar or something, like you're probably going to watch this and not get a lot of
0: new information
1: but um for most people, I think it's a really great introduction into him as a person and as well as his work, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think it was great in contextualizing like how popular he was. Like, right. you know, everyone yeah. knows the name Charlie Chaplin. I'm like, "Oh yeah, right. of course he's a silent film star and everyone knows yeah. who he is." But like, you know, he was like the Beatles, you know, he showed yeah. up in a city and everyone would go nuts. Yeah. Like, he yeah. was that huge. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's Absolutely. corny to yeah. be like he he was like the Taylor Swift of like, you know, the 1930s. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they they make that point he sort of was the first one of the first sort of mob- truly global celebrities you know that that took advantage of these new technologies like film obviously and and was a global set of celebrity in a way that I don't think quite had had happened before but i mean also one of the, i think one of the most one of the things that was really resonated for me was getting into the family side of the story and i think there were some family home videos mm-hmm. interviews with the children that that i don't know if those had been released before some of those. And, and so that was, I just, you know, I'm a dad and thinking about that is really touching actually to get this side of, of the story and hear some of the voices, especially the, of, of his children talking a little bit about that. It, that was, um, I thought that was really interesting to mm-hmm. get a little bit of that perspective, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also the, the, the it's, I mean, yeah, the whole second half of his life, when he's sort of like quote in exile, it's so interesting. You know, he he lived for a lot, long long time after he left the states, and um, you know, he made a couple of movies in exile. But I think for the most part, the last twenty so twenty plus years of his life, he was didn't make any more films. Although he was sort of half working on things and it just you just get the sense that he's was sort of haunted and never really like let it go even from his kids sort of talking about that um it's very interesting you know
0: so you were doing you know concert composition beforehand mm-hmm. yeah. um obviously you're excited about the opportunity to score a film um do you have like film composer influences that you were kind of thinking of while you were working on this project or
1: mm-hmm. oh my gosh Whew. I don't know if I could rattle off names of of film composers, but um i i I appreciate music in films, and i you know classics and stuff like um like John Williams everyone talks about that, but also like the like modern things like um the guy who who just died <laughs> so bad um who did um the like Icelandic composer. Okay, I don't remember names. I'm so I,
0: I know who you're talking. about. We yeah. know who you're talking about. We Johan just,
1: Johansson, right? Yeah. Johansson, yeah. Like, like, yeah. like, like yeah. I love, I love that kind of thing. Like the stuff that's like a little more minimal. Um, but I also like um the more traditional stuff, and but also, I mean, I I think, and this is maybe why they were interested in even working with me. I mean, I think some approaches that maybe aren't as conventionally like film score are are interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's become a little bit more common for people from the concert world to sort of occasionally, you know, moonlight in the in the film world. And um and I and I really like that, you know. Um, so, I don't know. I I don't have more specifics to say, but um I appreciate the the art form enorm- enormously. I mean, I think it's like it's such a cool just dis- like the interdisciplinary nature, the collaboration, it's just like it's really really amazing, you know.
0: So, so it sounds like you were not necessarily like in like when you um you know grew up as a musician and you got into music composition. It, yeah, it doesn't sound like film score was necessarily like the uh, no no the, so like, the end okay. game for you,
1: right? That's a good that's a good point. Yeah, no, no, definitely not. I mean, I I like anyone else who grew up. You know, you it's it's like ubiquitous. You hear you hear score for film like everywhere. And of course it influences you. But I, I was, you know, on a path, I would say to become more of like a, a, a sort of a, con, like, I was just more into like, first of all, I was more in the classical world, but then I got into other things like jazz and playing in bands and stuff. And, but I always was sort of more oriented in that kind of world that was like more about performance, more about sometimes, sometimes experimental, sometimes not, but it was more about that, like the performance aspect and either playing or listening in that that live experience. Not to say I didn't appreciate or enjoy film. It just it just wasn't like a goal at, at at all, really. And I mean, I have to say I as I in the last say, you know, 15, 20 years, I've become more aware of of things and more appreciative and and interested maybe in some of the 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 music that's being created. But I never really imagined that I would be able to do it myself. And in fact, when they reached out to me, I initially thought it was spam. I didn't believe <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious. Like the music supervisor email, I had just like redone my website and I had like a contact form and the music supervisor emailed me through the contact form and I was like nobody uses the contact form. I was like this isn't real. And so like it took a while for me to be like no, they're serious. This is not a joke. Um and I don't know. I mean, I I I feel like they took a chance. I mean, in hindsight, I'm kind of shocked because I feel like I could really could have gone poorly. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, I mean, the music supervisor, she was so great and the director was so great. I think it was just the right team. Like these are people that really cared about music and they wanted something a little bit different. You know, they wanted something that was like a little bit more coming from my world, you know? And, and yeah, so... I think that all kind of set, set it up to work, work out. But I was as surprised as anyone when they reached out to me and, you know, the music supervisor, she was like, you know, think about this, like you're going to write, like, you know, it's going to end up being like maybe 45, 60 minutes rough, roughly of music. And you just think about like, you're writing like a, a bunch of, like a suite of a bunch of like little short pieces, you know, there's gonna and it's going to be like maybe four or five, like kind of theme like sort of, different thematic areas and then there would be elaborations on them and like it's like she sort of just coached me into like being less overwhelmed by the whole thing and just like you know because when you're initially you're like an hour long of music and like i had to do it in two months like what? <laughs> like this is insane but she sort of like really was helpful in like making it breaking it down to, into terms that was like more achievable you know um so that was helpful, but um, but you know, also I have friends like I have some friends who started in more in concert and and then went to the film, the film route and like are very active, and so I I you know I just through friends and colleagues like I I not I'm aware of of like the process and the workflow like I'm not I mean also I, I teach at NYU I teach more in concert music but they have a whole screen scoring program a great program and so there's other faculty there and students there that so I've like I've sort of like been able to I didn't go into this completely ignorant, let's say, I know I have some awareness of what the process is like and what it entails, but yeah, it was, it was very foreign. It was very different. Um, but I love it. I would, I mean, I don't have a film working on now and I, but it's definitely something I want to do more of. Like it was really fun. Um, and I would like to do more of it. Yeah, for sure.
2: Okay. Well, people have to email you via your website then.
1: Yeah. I will now love write it. back. Check your spam.
0: Check your spam. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. yeah,
2: That's a great story. as kind of every creative's uh, dream and nightmare simultaneously yeah. to get this really big opportunity. But with yeah. people that you haven't worked with before, uh, do you know how the music supervisor connected with you or how she knew your work?
1: It's shrouded somewhat in mystery, but I do have uh, some theories, which is to say, yeah. you know, they have, as, as most all films do, they have temp music. And I could tell from the temp music that a lot of it was kind of like from my world, so to speak. Like I recognized like a lot of composers that either I knew personally or were sort of cut from a similar cloth. So like, I think they were already like focused on this kind of world of like contemporary classical music. And particularly like a lot of composers that I think were from a certain side of that scene, I guess you could say. So -hmm. that's one. And then I I actually do know that they, they had like gone through an earlier iteration about like what the score would be where they were, they had like talked to someone I knew and they went a different direction. Like, like really different. Like it, I don't even think it was about, I don't know. I think it was about like the person I knew not working. I think it was like, they just, it was like, they were going to do like an all piano score at some point or something. And then like mm-hmm. the whole concept changed and they want to do it anyway. But I sort of knew that like, and I pieced this together way after the fact, like I kind of knew that. So I was just like, you know, this, person was poking around my world like i i don't think if she was talking to the people i know they were talking to and aware of the thing i i don't think it would be too far too far to connect the dots and find that i exist at least you know but um but other than that sort of like uh detective work on my own like i I actually don't really have a clear idea i probably should just straight up ask her (laughs) (laughs) i I always felt weird about it
0: yeah
1: i don't know Maybe I just felt weird While it was happening. I just didn't want to kind of have that conversation, and and now I don't know. It just hasn't come up. I, I'm not like in close touch or anything, but I am a little curious. Like, how did that ultimately turn come to me? But yeah,
2: yeah. Use I mean, using your compositions as temp tracks, maybe it's it's kind of a maybe it was a thing that makes well, sense. Well,
1: use my Either. pieces, but they use pieces of people I knew very well. Okay. It wasn't, yeah, no, no, no. It wasn't like the temp had all me. Like, well, if that was the case, and obviously, okay. No, no, it was just that the temp was of like composers. Like, I know that composer. I know that person. Like, we're all in the same world you
2: know, kind yeah. of thing. Small so world I, kind of deal. Yeah. So
1: if they're I, using I,
0: I, their I, music, they probably are aware of your music.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. Like, they they were already like sort of zeroing in, I think, on a kind of sound or a concept of like, of, of what they think type of composer might be that could create their sound. I, I don't know. It felt very serendipitous. <laughs> it absolutely felt very serendipitous, but um, it was cool. I mean, I, after it, I mean, I, 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 first of all, I learned that I had such a greater appreciation of what a composer does and who works in media. But at the same time, I, I had a greater appreciation of what I get to do as a concert composer. And um, I sort of was like, wow, you know, this was so fun. But then by the time it was all done, I was like, I kind of just want to write like a string quartet and like, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Right. And, <laughs> you know, it's like, I mean, probably like, you know, like a hundred people will listen to it, but at least it's all me. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm no telling you the whole story. <laughs> yeah. It's all, so it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's such an interesting dynamic, you know, working in a film, you're part of a team, you know, you're not, you're, you're not the main decider, you're a voice in the room, but yeah, it's really different than concert where it's like, okay yep, this is your piece. Like, I'm, everything about it is, like, my choice.
0: <laughs> uh, so speaking of the temp track, how much did you kind of lean on what you heard on the temp track and what you composed? Or, like, did you yeah. disregard it or did you kind of use it as a guide? All of the above.
1: I mean, so it really went cue from cue. From cue to cue, it depended. I mean, there were some cues where they they themselves were just like, yeah, you should ignore the temp track. We still have no idea what, what we really want here. And then there were some, there were a few cues and in a way, these were the hardest ones where they're like, so just so tied to it. They're like that. It was, it felt like my job became like, how do I do this, but not do this. (laughs) Um, So it it really ran spans the the whole range. I think I would say I couldn't give a blanket statement about the whole thing. It was, it was completely from cue to cue, like dependent. But yeah, there was examples of, of all of that. Yeah.
2: Can you recall what the most challenging piece of music in this sort of suite of music was for you?
1: You know, in a funny way, uh, the most challenging was not include is one that they ultimately didn't include.
2: Oh, that's <laughs> so, always how it is, isn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> um, in, in, yeah and in a way, it was, it was challenging because it was the least like me. So there was this one cue that uh, was, basically what had to happen was it had to be chaplain music. But the way the scene worked, it just wasn't possible to really just use his music. It had to be something new because of just the the beats and the way things changed. And like it just kind of had to be composed. So we really struggled with first of all the question was could it be something that was alluding to Chaplin but but not Chaplin? So maybe like a little bit like my voice, but still like kind Ooh. of one foot in kind of one foot in both worlds sort of approach. So we tried it that way, that didn't work. And then eventually it was like, no, 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 this, this really just kind of needs to sound like a chaplain thing. And then it was sort of about an imitation kind of game. And like, so that was sort of challenging, obviously, like getting the imitation right. And then there was like, then it was like, almost felt like a Frankenstein situation where it was like, here's 30 seconds, which is going to be chaplain. And then here's 30 seconds, which has to be me because it needs to connect in a certain way. Mm -hmm. Um, So like we did all that and we figured it out and we even recorded it, but then at the very end, and it was in the cut, and it—I thought it sounded great. Everything was great, but ultimately, it became this problem with the rights mm. because Chaplin's rights are very complicated. There's all kinds yeah. of stakeholders. Like so, the particular for the whatever particular thing for that particular music, we just couldn't. They just couldn't get it. They it like went down to the wire, and they just couldn't get it. So they just had to take it out altogether. But we spent so much time on that thing. It was really, oh. in hindsight, just like. I don't know. It was funny. Uh, we spent so much time on that thing. It's probably uh, another example that's more just like my own music. But um, there was one called. It's a cue called the Chaplin Studio, mm-hmm. which is a fun one. That's it's basically quartet. The, for that one, I think it's mainly just string quartet. Yeah, there was a lot of work that went into the details of that, and and we actually got there. But then there was this interesting moment where they were like, um, you know, feel like it needs something. Like it still needs like some other element, and I suggested. A slide guitar like a Hawaiian slide guitar Mm -hmm. because actually right like like not too far before it there was a scene where they actually were using like sort of Hawaiian source music Mm -hmm. which actually in the 20s was actually like really popular in the Mm -hmm. states I I don't know why but for some reason there was like a fad about it so it kind of made sense so and I just so happened to so my grandmother had a slide guitar because she was a child of the of in the 30s, and I and I guess her dad like got her one, and because he because everyone was into Hawaiian music then, and I happened to have inherited it. She passed away, and and I literally had it in my studio, and so that's why I was like, well, what if we just um, put some of this in there? And I can't really play it, but but I I sort of figured it out enough to like add a, a layer where it's just sort of like sliding around. And it kind of fits in the harmony of the quartet. So I recorded myself doing it, and and it, it felt like we might have done it. It worked and people were into it. And, but they ultimately decided it was just like a little too quirky. That sort of whole question of that, the focus, like, you know, it was just like a little too weird that it like, um, kind of didn't work. So we took, we ended up taking it out, but I, in the soundtrack album, I I put it back in. Um, and then a sort of fun, Easter egg is that in the credits, this was just, I guess, like an inside joke between us, and me and the directors. We actually, in the credits, when the listed the musicians, we did list myself as a slide guitar player in the ensemble, even though it wasn't in the piece. I don't know. It's just a <laughs> random thing. Sort of fun. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's Cool. I love that. I love that you got to use Prima's... Uh,
1: I like that I got to use <laughs> it too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it wasn't in the film, but it's in the soundtrack. That's okay. yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's a part in the documentary where... It, they talk about how difficult it was to do city lights. Mm, um, yes. And how it was, you know, years. And, that
1: one was hard. Yes. That, yeah, and that I was huge. like, did you,
0: did you kind of yes. feel like that was you? Oh at some my point? God. Yeah.
1: So that one was hard. Um, that's called edge of madness. So that's another, so the, so um, the soundtrack album, I think has like about, I don't know how long it's about 50 minutes, but there's a small number of cues, probably three or four other cues that we couldn't include on the soundtrack album because they are cues that more explicitly use chaplain material and i didn't we didn't it was too hard to get the rights to like release chaplain material even if i mean they're, they're just they're just very strict about it but the edge of madness that cue that you're referring to that basically took a sort of phrase from one of some chaplain music like um and kind of uh used that as the basis for the cue and it sort of tracks the way they tell the story of him just going crazy, like he took like a i don't know what it it's like a year and like hundreds and hundreds of takes, like I think he recast the main the main actress and like reshot the entire thing, yeah, and then was, brought her back and then brought her back, yeah, and all that so like that was actually really hard too like i i I remember working on that i did I did remember thinking many times that I myself was on the edge of madness, <laughs> I'm trying to get that right, but um but yeah, we tried so many different sort of versions of the arrangement of how that worked and how the sort of builds of that music worked as it kind of underscored the scene and all that. Yeah, that was, uh, we couldn't include it on the soundtrack because it was too, the material was too much like taken from Chaplin. Um, But that was interesting. And also even recording that was, was tricky for for various reasons. Like it it definitely was, um, yeah, that was a tricky one. It also was like one of the ones that were very timing sensitive. So this, like, this isn't, it's not an action movie. It's a documentary. I mean, a lot of, I mean, the in and out is very important. And, and also the the structure, you know, you need to follow the structure of the film, but it's not like, you know, um, Tom and Jerry or something. It's not like you need this like super precise timing, but that one actually did have some moments where it really needed to be like, like, you know, this is happening, this this beat in the music is like right there with the cut. And so that, yeah, that had its own challenges, obviously. you know, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Did it take you a while to kind of get used to scoring to beats?
1: Yeah, it did. But, you know, I sort of, how do I put this? Um, I realized that it really is just a, a handful of key, key moments. Like it's not like every single, thing has to like line up in this way, but, but certain key things like, and if those key things work, then it's like somehow everything else makes sense. Right. And then I definitely learned some strategies for, for tweaking it, you know, maybe I'll write a musical phrase and okay, it's, it's off by, I don't know, three seconds. There's all kinds of ways, like whether it just even be just like, I'm going to take this tempo like just slightly faster so that it lines up or just add one beat right here you know right there so there's all kinds of little strategies that um in a way that actually wasn't as hard because it frankly felt like closer to like my like modern music like we're gonna have a random like five eight measure here or like you know like I do that all the time like I'm always like messing up the so it's not but but yeah that became useful there are certain cues um like hit hit this one called Hitler Chaplin where there was also another little comic beat where it's like the music had to stop right when this sort of like joke happened it just had to time that way. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I write a phrase, get pretty close and then, okay, maybe I got to take out an eighth note here, you know, whatever, and nip and tuck. And then it kind of works out. But, um, that wasn't, that wasn't so bad. But again, it's not like I'm scoring like an action film where I think the precision is like a lot more that feels like that would be a lot harder in a technical sense, you know?
0: And I guess um, on a technical level, did you have to tweak more like production-wise so like what you were doing kind of seamlessly fit with like source music and stuff like that? Like, you know, did you Yeah, play, like you're tinkering a little bit more with that
1: stuff? There's definitely, a, I, I like to think of it as these sort of subtle things that we did with the production. So going back to the choice of the sound, we went on this chamber music sound, right? But we also made a choice that it's mainly acoustic, right? You know, there's so many scores that are, heavily synth-based or in some other way, like with electronic sort of sounds, and that's awesome. And I love a lot of scores like that, but we wanted this to be primarily acoustic, and that actually goes back to the initial sort of conversation about what is the function of this score? What is the sound representing and that sort of intimate, more personal side? So we thought, felt like this acoustic thing was really the way to capture that, but... But, but we, there were still sort of subtle ways that we were thinking about the sound, like production elements, you know? So like really thinking about the reverbs, really thinking about, there were key moments where we'd sort of like work in a little bit of delay um, and have some sort of echoes. And we did some fun things with like sort of subtle, like slowing some tracks down, like maybe um, five to 10%, like record it and then slow it down five to 10%. So it has just a slightly more sort of, I don't know, liquid sort of, woozy quality like especially towards the end with the like when he's older sort of stuff um some fun things with like layering you know like there were some of the more ambient sort of cues where it's just like like a cloud of strings and maybe some light piano where like you know i would record the strings like maybe three or four times with with subtly different bowings or articulations and then kind of mix it together i mean we just had all these different things which ultimately i think it's still fundamentally sounds acoustic, It doesn't sound like electronic or overly produced, but in subtle ways it is occasionally like accessing these like slightly more produced or slightly more artificial colors for the purpose of storytelling and whatnot. And I love that actually, that really spoke to my sensibility because I mean, I'm primarily an acoustic composer, so I, I'm much more comfortable in that, but I really like this idea of using tools in the studio, you know, production tools to like take that fundamental acoustic sound but but warp it in subtle but affecting ways, you know. Um so that
0: was fun to to work on that.
1: Yeah. And we we definitely talked about that
0: kind of thing. So obviously um big honor you were nominated hmm. for the soundtrack for the Emmy. Did this also uh come to your email and you thought it was a joke?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it did come to my email, but at that point, I didn't think it was a joke. So um, yeah, so it was nominated for a, a, a news and documentary Emmy and best original score. And basically, uh, I didn't think it was a joke because I knew that they had submitted it. Because so it, it was in the states, it was presented by Showtime, so it came out on Showtime, and um, they they're like they have like they they submitted it to various awards and whatnot. So I, I knew they had submitted it because I had to write a little. Like statement or whatever, um, when they put the submission together. So, so they just email. It was an email, it was an email, but I didn't think it was spam because I had already knew they had submitted it and knew it was possible, but I was definitely shocked. I was just like, what? <laughs> it's crazy. But yeah, that was just like sort of like this special like icing on the cake sort of moment. You know, like I mean. I already had such an amazing experience, but, it, but I, you know, it was just kind of nice to get a little bit of recognition on top of that. You know, that was just amazing. I never, I didn't expect that, but yeah, it was, that was, that was cool. <laughs> you know, I don't know. We didn't win, but I kind of didn't, I didn't care. Like it was just, just to get a, the acknowledgement uh, was, was in itself um, really, really humbling and gratifying. It was awesome. It was cool. So the, the ceremony was in New York. So the news and documentary one is in New York the like primetime one is that's the one in LA. This was but still it was actually it was really cool I felt that it was the Newsom documentary because like, you know, that I didn't know too much about the the scene because I'm not really part of it. But like going to the ceremony and seeing all those people that are in that world, documentary filmmaking especially, it was definitely struck by just like there's so much like passion and energy and people doing like really amazing things, like going all over the world and Tell these stories and like um, yeah, I was I was pretty blown away by just being in the room and seeing the people that that were doing. You know, you kind of read about the different. They have like mm-hmm. a program. You can kind of read about. It and I'm just like this is like what what a cool community of people that do that. You know, it's it's yeah. incredible.
2: Yeah, I feel like the, the phrase labor of love gets tossed around really casually, but within that universe of people i feel like you have to have such passion for that to cut through just just the issues that you t- touched on today yeah. with with you know rights and things red yeah. tape that you need to cut yeah, through yeah. going to bizarre places spending years yeah, yeah. trying to uncover things that people haven't yeah. really unearthed yeah. yet
1: yeah
2: so i'm sure the process of getting this this film made um
1: yeah you know, yeah i think big it, one. it took a while i mean i think i think they were working on it for close to five years honestly yeah. um and I, yeah exactly i think i don't know the full story but one of the producers somehow kind of got access to this archive the family's archive of some of these videos and different materials and i mean at the core of the film was this interview that he had done towards not like not end of his life but later in life when he was already living abroad um with i think life magazine and it i was never Fully, like they had, they had the full audio archive of it, which which had never been released. So, I, so somehow, I think it started with they had all this material, and then they went, kind of went from there. But I I think it was a very long process, very long process from that point to the film. You know, yeah, I'm definitely in awe of like just the commitment it takes (laughs) to do this, to live with, to live with that, and the team of people that put that together. It's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I think documentary film is a pretty exciting area these days, frankly. I think there's a lot of amazing films being made and a lot of kind of um, just new ideas about how to tell documentary stories. Like, you know, I grew up when I if you said the word documentary, I would think like something you see on like just like maybe at school or like um, (laughs) or like sort of standard um, like informational like PBS kind of thing, which is great. Um, but like, there's so many different versions of what that can be that I think are that's being made now, and a lot of interesting music too, actually, <laughs> that's coming yeah. coming through that world, which is kind of
0: cool. So, are there things that you learned during um, the scoring process that you feel you've uh, brought over into your concert composition work? Yeah, yeah, great question. You guys have great questions, by the way. It, it's really wonderful.
1: But yes, actually, a lot. So that was one of the coolest things about I think doing about doing this whole thing is that um, in learning a little bit about this process and writing the score and seeing how it worked, it it definitely sort of shine shown like a fresh light on my work in the concert world. And um, I think that certainly some of the, I wouldn't say techniques, but like, because in this documentary environment, I would often be in situations where I had to, create versions of things very quickly like you know even though like i said we had this extended time period whatnot you know it, the way it ended up unfolding would be like there were these sort of intense bursts it'd be like okay for like four weeks everyone's like on board and like fully engaged and it's like we're working on things and it'll, and it'll be like okay we're gonna work on this queue okay so I'll, I'll deliver like a draft like the next day so it's like it's like okay wake up i'm gonna write a queue today like gonna do the whole thing and get them a, get them a um, a demo of that And then there'll be comments and maybe in best case it's just small tweaks worst case it's like okay i gotta start over a new direction (laughs) and write a new thing (laughs) and it just forced me to generate material um a lot quicker and to just work with it differently than i would have in a concert sort of piece where like i just have this luxury of time and like i'm in the concerts like i said like it's nice to be the only person who's making the decisions in the concert piece But at the same time, um, that can lead to a sort of like analysis paralysis situation where it's like there's so many choices and you're just like, oh, what if I did this? What if I did that? Whereas with the score thing, it's like I have to make a choice and then I'm gonna respond to what the director has to say about that choice. You know what I mean? So there's so that in a way sort of simplifies things. It's not like I can't just like you know just sit around thinking about it i just have to be like okay i'm going to do the xyz and now i'm going to do it i have to execute it and then we'll have a conversation about it so that type of working i brought back a little bit it's i find it really great way to just generate ideas to um you know um try different variations and not be as precious with the material and just say i'm going to try it different ways but so that's one one way for sure i also think just like i i loved sort of the way that um the the directors would just talk about storytelling and think about storytelling and and i think naturally in my concert pieces i gravitate towards that idea of storytelling like i like to think that i'm sort of telling a story even though if it's a very abstract one but i don't think i'd ever thought about it in such sort of concrete terms or articulated the way they would they would talk about it and and i kind of really liked that it it um shed an interesting perspective on the music so i think i've taken a little bit of that kind of with me and then most sort of immediately was so for every, I would say, minute of score that ended up in the film, there, there may have been anywhere from two to three minutes of score that was left on the cutting room floor, so to speak. And I frankly have just like ha- used a lot of that in different contexts, mm-hmm. which was actually very, very cool. Because it felt like, in a way, I, 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 there was a nice sort of symbiotic relationship between the work and the film and other projects. Because I could be like, OK, here's two-minute uh, idea that I sketched for the film. We didn't end up using it. But I still think it sounds cool. So let me take that and then use that in my concert piece. And and then it can have a life there. And I've done that a lot um, with some of that material. And so I really liked that dynamic. Um, That felt very organic and healthy just as far as like a creative process. So um, that was another way that the two connected um, pretty much right away, actually. Yeah.
2: Us neat to hear that you're generating all of these ideas that don't even ultimately get used, but they yeah. kind of slip and slide into other yeah. things that you're yeah. crafting and creating. I feel like that analysis paralysis thing is very real for all creative fields.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: it's totally. very real. Um yeah. and not second guessing yourself and and you know being able to have that sort of idea generation machine thing on your side is maybe sometimes kind of
1: helpful. Totally helpful. Um <laughs> it 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 really I think frees you up when you're just like you can't worry about the perfect thing. I have a visitor you might see in the background. Um, it's my daughter Hazel. I'm oh, sure.
2: cute visitor! I to... Hi, Hazel. Um, but, I want to go to dinner.
1: Oh, she wants to go to <laughs> dinner. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um,
0: but, but
1: yeah, I, I to to just answer your question, I I think exactly like when you're not focused on, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. You know, you need to just. Generate things. As, it's a it's a step in the process, and you know that really freed freed me up. And and being a part of a team too, you know, in a way frees you up too because you're like you're not the only. It's like. Uh, I sometimes was thinking about it like like they're an editor almost. I mean, they're more they're the they are going to decide what's good what's going to go in or out. But a lot of times it felt like this almost editorial process where I would send them something, especially when we were honing in. Especially when they're like, yeah, this is good, this is the right direction. Now it's like, you know, maybe there's too much uh, activity here, or maybe like this color, you know. I really felt like, oh, this is, is this what it's like when a writer has an editor and like they help you make it a better version of your own thing? I was like, this is amazing. I want an editor all the time.
2: Yeah. The right collaborators will do magical things.
1: Yeah, I absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Well, I mean, we would love to ask just so people know too, you know, what is next for you? What can we expect from you? Um, There's so much on your bio to dig into. I think I saw something about you maybe composing for a ballet. Is that
1: yeah, that was a thing I did in the fall, which was a really oh, okay. cool project. I I finished that that ballet. Um I, I collaborated with a choreographer and we wrote a, a ballet together and um that was awesome. I loved working on that. What's next for me? I've got some commissions like some uh, um pieces that I'm writing um more in the co- classical co- contemporary classical world. I'm writing like a sort of string orchestra piece right now and then I'm I'm writing like a piece for ensemble and voice but i also have um the soundtrack just came out I, I i have some album projects that i expect to come out in the next year not not in, immediately so but um but yeah so things a lot of things are in in the work, works but i would love it if people checked out this soundtrack i'm 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 really proud of the music you know it's um i it, it, i'm so happy that i i was able to release the album because i as much as i love the film you know just the the reality of mixing soundtrack into film is that you know you you have to make compromises you know things that, that they need to hear the dialogue whatnot but but with the album it's there in the pristine form that I, I i really you know all the details are there so i'm really proud of the album i think it's and it just you can hear the music exactly how i would want it to, to sound you know
2: yeah and it's available on streaming and you can yeah. uh you can hear robert's grandma's Hawaiian slide guitar.
1: Yes, you can. That can be the little Easter egg. Go to the yeah. chapter. You can hear that. Yeah. So And then anyway. for those
2: that uh, don't know, I think we touched on this, but where can you watch the real Charlie the Chaplin? Film.
1: Okay, right. yeah. So I, I um I know that in the States it's on it's on um, showtime which I believe is folded into Paramount Plus streaming service. Yeah,
0: you just have to have like the premium subscription. Exactly. I
1: I made this mistake. I was telling someone who lives in Canada and they were like, "Uh, that's not true in Canada. So I don't know about not outside of the States, but in the US, I know through Paramount Plus, you can stream this. Of course, I think you can rent it on Amazon if you want to just do that. But if you happen to have Paramount Plus or Showtime, um, it's just up there for streaming. And it's a good film. I really like, really check it out. If you're not a Charlie Chaplin fan, uh, it's still actually a good film. You know, it's, if you are, or you aren't, I think it's a great, great thing to watch. Cool thing to watch.
0: Yeah. As a fan, I I did enjoy it. That's great. I'm glad. I have the box set with city lights and, and, um, Oh, you are a big fan. Nice.
1: Nice. That's I'm glad actually you enjoyed it as a big fan. I mean, I did. I did. I have to admit, I did read like all of the reviews of the films. Most of them were very positive, but some of them, there were a couple of ones that were less positive. That were like from these like really hardcore Chaplin fans who are right. basically basically making the point of like, there's nothing new here, like Barrr. like that's not really the point of this. Yeah, like, I
2: think that might be on them.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah,
2: have yeah. yeah. gone too deep.
1: Yeah. Anyway,
2: now the reviews of this are they're all really glowing and for good reason. So
1: yeah
0: great
2: thing to stream whether you're um really into Chaplin or whether i think you're just trying to access more about him and his films and his work
1: yeah yeah cool well thank you so much for having me on this podcast uh, i really appreciate it it was it was nice to talk to you it was a great conversation thanks for your thoughtful questions appreciate that
0: you're welcome uh we're really excited to talk to you the soundtrack is great thank you thank you well um
1: maybe some maybe hopefully in. in in some years times i can talk about another soundtrack we'll see yeah we'd love to yeah
2: we hope so it was wonderful to meet you and pleasure to chat with you and uh, we'll get you to dinner
1: okay yes i have a i have a six-year-old who will be very happy to hear that we're going to
0: thanks for joining us this week on soundtrack your life make sure to visit our website soundtrackyourlife.net where you can subscribe to the show on apple Podcasts or spotify While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us
1: out too.